So welcome to the Fully Express podcast with Karenna. I'm so excited for today because I'm bringing one of the most vibrant, grounded <laughs> women to the show. She is a fairy godmother for women, breaking patterns of performing, perfectionism, and people pleasing in their bedrooms, businesses, and lives. I'd like to introduce you to Hannah Deindorfer. I'm so excited that you're here. Me too. I'm so excited that we're getting to have this conversation. Yeah. Thank you so much. For everyone listening, I just want to give you a little background of like when I met Hannah. Like when I first met you, I'm not going to lie. Like you can just tell that you were like powerful in the room, but then also like here. And I met Hannah in the Phoenix path when I got, when we did our somatic certification, what was it like a year ago now, maybe? No, yeah, about a year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's crazy how time flies by. That was like a six to seven ish. Cause we had a month, month break, like program. And it just flew by, but like truly getting to know you in that program. I was like, every time you spoke, I'm not, I was like, I resonate with this girl so much. I was like, so grateful that you were sharing and like, so expressive about your experience because it also helped me like just connect with you in that way and be like, ah, I feel that like that hits too. Like I resonate with that. So that was my experience. And then just following you online, like you just also come off so expressive. So you, I think you're a great representation, at least for me on this side of the screen and from getting to know you, like who you are in your real life is who you show up online. And I value that so much because it's just a really great example of someone truly honoring and being in in their essence, like in their fullest expression through and through. And I mean, that is a journey in itself. And I'd love to hear about that, obviously, on today's episode, but you can just see that you embody that. I just can't wait to continue to witness you like evolve and express yourself into like where you're going. But I just got to say like, kudos to you because like, at least for someone that's experiencing you, that's what it feels like. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate that because I feel true to who I am online in person. Like nothing that I share is can't share things that are inauthentic to me. It just in my body, I can't feel it. So to hear that it resonates on the other side, the way that it feels to me is really important. It feels really good. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it was like this for you, but like when I first started showing up online, I did try to show up like how I was like, I wanted to show up like how other people were showing up in a way Mm -hmm. I was like, well, it looks like they're, it's working for them. Like maybe I should try this thing for them. It always felt so icky. It always felt so stretchy. It always felt like, why is this being forceful? And then, you know, once it kind of shifted and I would love to hear your experience, like once it shifted, it was like, oh, this is just me. You know, it was Mm -hmm. was like almost exhausting to try and show up another way, like, and show up in ways that I thought people would accept, love, want, Mm -hmm. you know, resonate with, connect with whatever, like putting myself in like, what do they want versus like, who am I? Was it like that for you at all? Or I think in the beginning, because I started from this place. I just want to share information. Mm. I want to share these spiritual things that I'm learning about. At the beginning, it felt very authentic. I was like, I'm here's my lifting videos. And here's just the picture of what I ate today. And here's like this book that I'm reading. And it felt very real and authentic. And then I definitely took a turn into performing. Mm. But for me, that actually always kind of felt authentic to me too. Like I I think because I've spent so much time in my life in a performative state that it was like, oh yeah, I know how to do this. I know how to mold myself to make myself likable. 
it didn't feel like in the moment that it was exhausting or draining, but over time it built up. Like I didn't realize it in the moment that I was creating a persona that didn't resonate with me, but eventually it got to a place where it felt like what I was talking about. I didn't care about it. What did like performing feel to you? Like, I'm so curious, like if even before you were aware of it, like what was like the day-to-day like if you were to like step into like that chameleon or like I can show Mm -hmm. up, I can do this. Like what did that actually feel to you in like the moment? Well, it actually reminds me of, so I used to perform piano and I also used to play a lot of sports. And so it felt similarly in that I'm like, okay, I got to turn it on. I got to step on the stage. I got to shift into this other version of myself that I know how to do this and, and pretend to have it all together. Like in that space of performing on a stage, playing an instrument or performing on a court, there's like a a different gear that that starts to happen. And it's like all of the self-doubt and the insecurity, it just, it's put all in the background because I can't let my weakness show. Like as you're talking, I know people won't be able to see this on video, but I can just see you like want to like step into this like character or this arming or like this, like this piece of clothing that you're putting on. Like it this is. is what it is, right? Like I'm, yes. I'm, I'm showing up as this. It is an armor, right? It mm. is like, I'm preparing for battle. Mm. There's a, there's an armoring that happens. It's a mask. It's, it's a, a cloak. It's something that is protective so that I don't have to show really a lot of vulnerability and the teaching persona that I had online for a long time with another level of that cloaking. I could be smart. I could be a teacher. And that was another way to hide really how I felt or what was true vulnerability for me. I would show bits and pieces of my story and I'd be like, oh, that's vulnerable. But it wasn't like in the moment vulnerability of like, oh, I'm dealing with this thing or this is going on for me or this is what I really think right now or feel. There was this like teacher persona that was another kind of armoring for myself. Wow. I can definitely relate to that a little bit. (laughs) I'm curious, like, what was the process like? Just like going from like noticing that you were doing this, right? At at one point you became aware that you were turning on this performer (laughs) persona, right? This like armor that you were stepping in and like, you were kind of leaving parts of you behind the vulnerability or the insecurities or whatever else was behind one. How did you recognize that that was happening? And two, what was the process of like, the undoing or like the shedding of the layers to work through that and then integrate it back into your life. You know what I mean? Mm. Like work through Mm -hmm. and do and come back. Yeah. (laughs) It was, it actually like what happened externally. I didn't really realize, I think the extent to which I was putting on a persona externally, but when I started discovering my sexuality and really connecting to my emotions and my body, how I was showing up just changed as a result of that. It was like, because I started to really be in tune with my emotions and what my body wanted and what it felt. And um, I tore down so much of my life as a result of discovering that I wasn't happy and what I had created it just started flowing onto my online space more easily because I realized what I was doing behind this. wasn't like, I'm like, oh, I'm doing this persona teacher thing online. Let me change that. It was like, oh, wow. I'm like not happy in my life. Let me end my relationship. Let me discover my sexuality. Let me reconnect to my body. Let me do a bunch more therapy. 
And that changed how I showed up online, just a byproduct, really, not mm-hmm. as an intention. Yeah. I mean, it, it seems like it's a byproduct, obviously, because it stepped as your, and like it became more of your essence, your being as you did yeah. that. I'd love for you to share a little bit more about what it's, what it was, or like what opened the doors for you to like want to explore your sexuality or like, what did that even look like? Did the opportunity come to you? Were you always like interested in like exploring your sexuality? Was it like someone was like, Hey, I have this thing. Do you want to join? Like, I'd love to hear what the door was for you, you know? All right, my love, I'm jumping in here real quick to tell you about the Fully Express community because the women that are in this group are phenomenal. And if you're listening to this and you're a lady, a female, or know someone that is female or a lady that is on this path of growth and wanting to continue to evolve as a human being and find their fullest authentic expression in their relationships and their life and their business and relationships and want to be surrounded by a community of women that are dedicated to doing the work themselves, I want you in this community. I want to invite you into this community. I really think that being surrounded by other women that are on the same path that just get you, that just totally understand where you're coming from or where you're going or where you want to go and wherever that path is and create such a safe space for you to be held in that and encouraged in that is so important for our healing. If you find yourself feeling an ounce or a sprinkle of anxiety or overwhelmed or just uneasiness with the thought of being in a group container about talking about very vulnerable things, I just want to encourage you and remind you that I totally understand. I totally get it. It can be edgy. It can be scary to open yourself in that way. But in doing so, you end up creating so much more healing. I've had some of the biggest breakthroughs being in containers that can hold me and being surrounded by other women that are also on this path because I feel like I'm seen and understood. And so I truly want to invite you into giving it a chance. I'm also offering one month free if you leave a review of the podcast and you will get access to the next second Wednesday to join us. So go ahead and leave a review and I will send you the invitation to see you so you can actually get a taste of what it feels like to be within the community. Again, come join us in the Fully Express community where you only don't hear from myself and get teachings and somatic practices and meditations and guiding and network nervous system regulation, but you also get to learn from renowned practitioners, healers, coaches, et cetera, that are doing the thing in this world. And they have gifts to share with you about what is available to you. And you get to take that and crack the code for yourself and how that applies to your life and how that applies to your relationships and how that applies to your business and your brand, your career, etc. Because for all of us women, I really do envision a world not only for the betterment of ourselves of why we live on this earth, but as well as our community, as our collective, as the human being, the human population, really bringing and opening arms to the woman that is fully expressed, that is living in her power, that is so confident and bold and as well as such in her feminine and vulnerable and soft and open to creating that space. And so here we're going to be surrounded by other women that want that and that create that and have this burning desire to be on that path. So come join us, leave a review if you want to join from the next one for free. And I hope to see you there. So I had a lot of sexual trauma. My first sexual experience was non-consensual. My first intimate relationship was a three-year, very abusive situation. And then I, through college, 
was very dissociated from my body. And so I used that for validation and to get attention and approval. And so I had never really had sex in a way that was for me. And so I had been in a, about a three-year relationship at the turn at my turning point of my sexuality in that relationship my partner god bless him was like I want you to be more sexy like I want you to feel more feminine like I I want that for you I want you to feel more powerful like I want you to feel into that part of you and I was so defensive about it yeah I got really upset about it I ignored it I didn't want to talk about it I think I bought a couple skirts at one point (laughs) Um, And then we took a class together uh, through the Landmark School of of Classes. They have these seminars and we did the sex and intimacy seminar together. And I started revealing, oh, wow, I have a lot of stories about sex. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of ways that I'm inauthentic in sex and started to open it up that way. And then he suggested that we do this Tantra and BDSM course together and we bought the program and then we broke up because <laughs> we were like, so it, the sex was really not getting better. We were just in a really tough place in our relationship and, right. and ended the relationship. But that interest was there. I also had, a, had made a couple friends here in Austin that were very sex positive and they had opened up some conversations for me. Mm-hmm. And so after I left that relationship, I was like, this is a huge part of me that I just haven't explored. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I met a dom, a dominant person, and he and I started a sexual relationship that was very kink heavy. He taught me a lot about kink and about BDSM and all of the protocol around it with discussions leading up to it and aftercare and safe words and all of these things that made me feel so free for the first Mm -hmm. time in sex and like that my voice mattered and that my desires mattered and that with him I could say the craziest thing like I say I want to have sex in the middle of the park and I want a million people to watch and and he would be like great like that's amazing like how can we make that happen but like that's like an extreme example but like anything I would say he would be so encouraging about it and that really kicked off my deepening of my relationship to my sexuality the encouraging piece that you're talking to I've definitely experienced that in my relationship and for me it was like so healing was it and he like it was just something that I was like wait you're okay with this what like really Like you want the messiest parts of me? What? You want more of that? That's so cool. And it was almost like inviting in the sense of, um, how do I say like, oh, I can give myself permission to love these parts too. Like if he loves these parts of me too, you know, like, oh, I can now, like I am accepting of this in a way, like it was a blessing that they were so encouraging in that moment. Definitely. Yeah. You use so many words like BDSM (laughs) and Tantra. And I would love for you to share like, yeah are those words and what does that for sure yeah yeah okay (laughs) a little vocab lesson here (laughs) um I mean it's hard to not assume what they are but I'd love to hear your perspective totally because Mm -hmm. people who are listening may have their own preconceived notions about what kink is I know when I started like what I thought was kink was you know the movie Pulp Fiction? No. There's this scene in this movie where there, there's this like dungeon place and there's like this male gimp and he's 
he's like a, he's wearing a little gimp mask and his whole body's covered in leather and he's like the sex slave. That's what I thought the king was. <laughs> I thought it was this most extreme thing where like you're covered in leather and you're being beat up and you're tied up and chained up. And it's like this crazy extreme thing. I agree. That's exactly what I had envisioned too. Like when we're on like, King, it's almost like scary. Like there's like yeah. this like, fear, like this, like scary image of it, of like being totally. like threatening or being too dark or like whatever at the beginning. So I'd love for you to like feel back yeah, of that. For yeah. sure. Which it totally can be like, that yeah. is, that is King. That is one expression of what kink can be it can be pain it can be inflicting pain it can be receiving pain it can be being covered in leather and being a step stool it can be all of those things but my favorite definition of kink is one from Dossie Eaton who wrote a couple books about a guide to submission and a guide to dominance she called kink gourmet sex which I love <laughs> That sounds so yummy. I want to yeah. sex. I want yeah. I mean, I want I want to dive totally. into a plate of sex that sounds like that. Exactly. So exactly. good. It's more inviting. It's a more inviting definition. And to expand on that a little more, I think kink to me it represents anything that someone feels is a little taboo, a little naughty. Vanilla sex is anything that feels like it's socially acceptable sex, like the kind of sex that you see in movie, most movies and TV shows, very traditional kind of sex, hetero, male, female penetration, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And then kink is anything that feels like it's outside of that. It's a little bit outside of the norm and taboo is different for everyone. So for some people, taboo is having sex with the lights on. For some people, taboo is being restrained and being pleasured at the same time. And then for some people, it's being covered in leather and being a sex slave. Like there's such a range and what you deem as taboo is super personal. It's anything that makes your little heart go, Ooh, maybe this is kind of bad. Like maybe I shouldn't be doing this. This is a little spicy. Like it's a little spicy. Yeah. Yeah. And it almost like yeah, it like stretches your edges a little bit. You're like, oh, I haven't done that before, but like, I kind of like it. It's like uncomfortable, but I kind of like it at the same time. Yeah, that is kink. That is for sure taboo. I love that you said that because it really represents almost a spectrum and it gives permission to be for anyone, however they are in expression themselves sexually, whatever feels good for them, they get to be anywhere on that spectrum and that's okay, right? There's no, totally. it's quote unquote wrong for you to step in and want this X, Y, Z. It's like at the end of the day, if it's, on that spectrum for you, or if it's in that level of expression or in that edginess that feels like a little stretchy, but you kind of like it and you like think about it and you like want to step into it, like that's here too. And that's available to you too. Would you, is that a would you agree? A hundred percent. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. I love making kink feel more accessible mm -hmm. because it's also a space where your shadows can come out and play. Mm -hmm. It's a really beautiful way I've found to do shadow work to be able to bring forth parts of you that are shrouded in shame or repression or that you think aren't good enough or are bad and in kink all of that is celebrated it's wow. in this sexual space where you can be anything that you want to be you can mm -hmm. play any role if you're very submissive and quiet and shy in your everyday life you can step into this dominant energy in a mm -hmm. play space in a kink space 
if you feel the opposite, if you're very dominant and controlling and, you know, you're very responsible in your everyday life, you can take on that opposite side. You can be submissive. You can be owned. You can be gentle. Mm -hmm. You can be shy in a kink space. And it's all on the table. It's all welcomed. Something I'm so curious to hear your opinion on, because as you were talking about just like dom and submissive, like I think the traditional thing for someone to hear about is like the male or more masculine energy in the room is going to be more dom or are on the other end, someone more feminine, more submissive, more vulnerable, more softness like that. I mean, can you describe, is it possible? I'm just going to throw out an example. Like, is it possible for someone to bounce back and forth? Like, is it like you can step into a more dom space if you are someone that more is more submissive or you don't, if you are a male, that's usually dom and alpha on the outside, like you can step into a more submissive role. Is that hundred percent? Yeah. 100%. Okay, cool. Yeah. I think people yeah. just automatically think like, oh, only doms are ma- like only males are doms. And like, they are only going to be the one that are going to be the powerful one in the room. And that's where we're going to be at. And all women have to be submissive and like anything that men want. And I think just wanting to break that a little bit, because that's not fair to say, you know, totally. No, actually, when I first started my kink journey, I was very submissive. Mm. I played into that space a lot where I was letting go of control. I was, was letting my partner take the lead. I like the leader follower terminology too, for it. Like a dominant is a leader and the submissive is the follower. The further along I've gotten in in my journey, the more I've loved being in a dominant position because it Mm -hmm. lights up again, this part of me that is so different than, than even what I express in my everyday life. Like I'm not that bossy in my everyday life. Like I'm a coach, I'm a leader, but like, it's a very different than being, than telling my partner to get on his knees. Yeah. That's totally different. For sure. And you and I had talked a little bit about like that people pleasing tendencies, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That I think you've also had to work through other people have ever worked through. Did that show up at all? Like while you've been like stepping into this, like more of like in control role, like how, what was that process like for you? Yeah. Because if I, I mean, I'd love to hear your perspective, but for me too, like for the most part, like showing up in the bedroom, I always thought I'd do anything that he wanted. Right. Like it was Mm -hmm. always like, what can I do to make him happy? I want to make sure that they're taken care of like all those things. And I never, ever thought about putting myself first. But when I hear you step into this, like, I want to be more of that controlling. I'm going to tell my partner all these things, more of that Dom, more energy for someone that is resonates with being a people pleaser on this side of the microphone of this show. Like that seems a little edgy for me, like telling them what I want, you know, like saying huge, sit down, (laughs) hugely edgy. Because, you know, I, I think that generally women who are more, who tend to be more people pleasing, I think this is, I guess, men too. We lean towards caring for others. Mm-hmm. We lean towards caring for our partners. And in the bedroom that can show up as submissive, it can also show up as a martyr where you're not getting your pleasure, but you're always giving and giving and not really receiving anything. Or it can show up as feeling very uncomfortable to ask for what you want and to receive. And so when I started discovering my sexuality and really diving into it, it healed so much of my people pleasing because I learned in the bedroom how to ask specifically for what I wanted, which in that very intimate space, is, it's like a huge challenge, right? Like that's when you're naked, you're like totally exposed and vulnerable. If you can ask for what you want in that space, you can do it anywhere. If you can set boundaries in sex, when, when there's like that pressure there, you can do it anywhere. And then the next level of that was being dominant 
in the bedroom space because then all of a sudden, all of the decisions were on me. I could decide how I wanted my partner to sit or stand or lay and how I wanted the, the whole thing to go and when I wanted him to please me and, and orchestrate the whole event to match my desires. Mm-hmm. And you can definitely do that from the submissive side, but there is a totally new level of confidence that comes from being in that role and deciding, making every choice about how the experience goes Mm. based on your own desires. Yeah. How does it feel to say that? I'm just so curious. Like, as you're saying that, like, how does that feel for you? Well, I don't think I've ever said that like that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like something that I've thought about recently, but the way that I don't think I've ever said it quite like that or it was so quite that conclusion. It was so beautifully said. And like the part that like really stood out to like just being like so raw and open and naked and like asking for what you want. And that, like that moment, like I think about that even outside the bedroom, like when you're working through hard conversations and relationships, or you're just going through a really hard time and you're like your lowest lows, right. And like inviting someone in to see you like raw and naked in the messiness. And then having that okay of like, oh, I can, I can ask also for what I need in this moment. I can ask for what I want in this moment. Whoa. You know, that's like, I just have chills even thinking about that because that to me has been super healing. And just the fact that you just tied it all in with the bedroom too. I mean, it's just so beautiful. It's so amazing. It's like most powerful work for people pleasers is just that those first tries, those first attempts at Mm -hmm. saying, oh, can I please have this? (laughs) Like, would it be okay if maybe I could have a hug right now? (laughs) Like, could you please just listen to what I have to say? Or or like, like those little risks, like, like, I like to think of it in that way that you are every time you ask for something or um, make a request that's vulnerable, you're really taking a risk Mm. because it could be rejected. It could be taken the wrong way. It could be, you know, yeah, received poorly or reflect on you in a way like you're already judging yourself for being needy or being a burden or whatever other stories having needs mean to you. Mm -hmm. And so when you take that, those first initial risks and those little baby steps that builds so much confidence when it's received Mm -hmm. well, you know, people actually like when you're very specific about what you want. I know. And it creates so much trust in relationship too. I mean, personally, like I've just experienced like, oh, like I'm asking you for what I want and you know what I can want. Like I have this perfect example. It just came to mind. Like I was on the phone with a friend and I was like, I can totally be here to support you. And she's like, no, but I want to take advantage of you. And I was like, wow. Like I just heard that she doesn't trust my word because I don't know how to like trust my capacity. Right. So like at the end of the day, I had to reassure her. I was like, no, like, I promise you, like I'm giving you capacity. And I will also say no, when I don't have capacity to support you, like, mm-hmm. and I've had to build that muscle versus being on the other side of a people pleaser. I can totally tell how like, they're not trusting of my word because I'm not honoring what I truly want or need oh, yeah. in that moment mm-hmm. versus once you step into like that, like, oh, I, I know what I want, know what I need. Then people will be like, yeah, that's what she wants. That's yes. what she needs. That's she's a full body. Yes. There, you know, absolutely. Like your yes is not trustworthy unless you're solid in your no. Exactly. I want everyone just to hear that because it's so (laughs) freaking powerful. And I, Mm -hmm. now I, so like, I think once I shifted for me, like really honoring and working that through myself, like now I love it when people say no to me, I'm like, okay, cool. 
I'm here for that. Like, there's literally nothing Mm. wrong with you saying no. Like, I want you to honor your nose. I'm cool with that because then I know every time you say yes, it's a full, like, it's a yes, right? Like, you really mean it. Yeah, like, you really mean it. Like, you're really here. Actually, I saw something really funny the other day about, like, European coming to America and being really confused about what's actually good here because Americans are always like, oh, that's so awesome. It's so amazing. It's so perfect. It's like the best thing ever. It's so good. And they say that about everything. And so there's no, there's no discernment there. And it's similar to, if you say yes to everything, you're like, that's fine. That's good. All that's Mm -hmm. blind. Where's the boundary? There's no way to tell if that's trustworthy. Totally. I totally hear you. And you mentioned the word discernment. Can you talk a little bit more about what discernment means? Cause I think as you go through this healing journey, at least personally for me, like I've realized like discernment has really become like the biggest tool that I have to know what's for me and what's not for me or mm-hmm. listening to what is applicable, what is unapplicable at the right time for me. Because when it comes to this healing journey, you could hear all these ways of doing things. And I think people get, can get overwhelmed with all these ways of doing things, but you do also have to try the things to experience if they're things that work for you, but eventually getting to a place where you know, when it applies and when it's a yes, and when it's a no, and being your own person to guide you in this like healing journey in this life of expression. So I'd love to hear what your perspective is when it comes to discernment. So I, I see discernment similarly to knowing where your boundaries are Mm. and the way the metaphor that I like to use with my clients for this is imagine you just start off in this dark room and you can't see where the walls are, but all the walls are covered with spikes. They're very sharp. Yeah. So you want to walk carefully and slowly around the room to figure out where the walls are you, and you reach out a hand and hurt a little bit, but you touch it and you're like, oh, okay, that's, that's the wall. That's where the boundary is. That's, I don't want to, don't want to go there anymore. You don't want to like run full out in any direction because then you're going to end up with a face full of spikes. You're going to get really hurt. And so (laughs) I see discernment in a similar way. Mm -hmm. Like the older you get, the more slowly and carefully you're walking around the room. You're not running head first in any direction. You're like, okay, I know there's probably at some point I'm going to touch a wall. Like I'm going to hit the spikes. I'm going to figure out where my boundary here is. Mm -hmm. I'm going to figure out that this, this direction is a no for me. And maybe in some directions, the wall's really, really far away. And that's the direction you want to walk for a while. But the, yeah, like I said, the older you get, I think the more you develop that ability to pace yourself in those directions Mm -hmm. and to know what, okay, the walls over here and the room becomes more illuminated, the more experiences you have. Totally. Do you think boundaries can evolve and change? A hundred percent. (laughs) hundred percent. Because like, I think of this similarly to consent and in my world, in the sex world, consent is a hundred percent revocable at any time. Like you can say, I'm a yes to this in this moment, five minutes passes, you're in for it. It's revocable. New boundaries created. That boundary didn't exist before. Or, you know, you start in a relationship and you're very monogamous and you're like, oh, I only want to be with this person for the rest of my life. And then you get 10 years into the relationship and you're like, well, maybe we could go to a sex party. (laughs) There's a different boundary. There's a boundary shift that happens there. And I think boundaries change with our energy levels, our capacity how much sleep we've gotten in a specific day. They change with our mood. They change with our life circumstances. They change moment to moment what a boundary is for us. And so we 
requires more work generally to be someone that's on the lookout for when new boundaries pop up instead of creating blanket statements. Okay, I'm always going to be this or I'm always going to be this, but I think it's a more creative way to live to always be in communication with where are my boundaries in this? Okay, let me try this and then figure it out. Yeah, it gives you a lot more play. Like you can just tell from your energies, like a lot more playful. It's a lot more flowy. It's a lot more like, well, we can just molt, like be with what's available right now, right here. Like it's not like a forever. And I think it's such a good reminder for me as I'm listening to you because too, like I had navigate, what's it called? Like, I'd be like, well, I promise I would always show up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, when I was younger and I'd make these like really hard statements of like, this is how I am. This is who I be and blah, blah, blah. And really, really having to a undo a lot of that for myself and give myself permission to like, oh, I don't always have to be showing up or I don't always have to keep X, Y, Z or whatever it was that I was like keeping myself committed to and allowing my commitment to be more flowy or like honoring my capacity, like you were talking to, or like my boundaries at this point in this season, my life, because I mean, obviously we're all over the place, but just giving myself that flexibility to be like, it's okay to, to say yes today and no tomorrow, you know, like Mm -hmm. there's, I don't have to say yes all the time to the same thing every time. And that was just such a fresh of breath air because I felt with like every yes that I committed to, it was like, oh my God, there's so much energy that makes me feel like I have to keep up with this commitment or this statement that I made or this promise or whatever either I made in my life or relationships or even business. That's been a whole nother thing, like navigating my own evolution Mm -hmm. there, but getting a little bit more, yeah, I guess just more flexible and adaptable to my state versus being like, this is it is all that it can be. Cause then by doing that, I end up putting myself in a box and then a box feels like I'm getting stuck. And then a box feels like awful. (laughs) Yes, totally. I mean, I think like a lot of the women that I work with fall into the categories of like either high achieving or perfectionist or people pleaser. And these people have a tendency of this overcommitment thing or also being really hard on themselves when they say, I'm going to do something. I have do it hundred percent or I have to do it all the way. And so there's so much courage and healing in people like that for being able to change your mind and quit something that's not working for you anymore, or change the nature of a relationship, which to a people pleaser, that's like, oh my God, the death, <laughs> death in the system. Feel it. Yeah. Cause it's like, oh fuck. I've spent so much time building this relationship where all that I do is give here. They expect that of me. They expect that I don't have boundaries. This happens with parents a lot. Like my parents expect, expect that I'll just answer the phone for them all the time, or they expect they can just butt into my life or like make decisions for me or blah, 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 blah. And so setting boundaries and changing the nature of a relationship when you've historically been a pleaser or a giver in that relationship can be extremely challenging because you're breaking this unspoken contract that you have with them and people will get upset about Mm -hmm. that typically you just said the word unspoken contract (laughs) can you expand a little bit more on that for sure yeah (laughs) I'm just gonna pull that a little bit because People don't realize there's a lot of unspoken contracts or unspoken agreements that. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) we make these little deals with people that when we are in relationship with them, 
it's like, okay, I'm always going to act this way and you're always going to act this way. And this is how we relate to each other. And we form these habits and patterns in relationship where, you know, with some people you show up one way and they show up that way. And then with another person, you show up this way and then they show up in their specific way. And so with each person, we, we build over time, these little grooves and patterns of our relationship dynamic. And we expect that they're going to keep acting the way they're acting. And I'm going to keep acting the way that I'm acting forever and always going to have the same relationship. What does that do to relationship? Oh my God. <laughs> what it does, what it does eventually to, well, I'll say this because some relationships can withstand that. Okay. Yep. In some relationships that works. And in other relationships, typically like people change, people grow, their life circumstances change, who they are, what they want changes. And so when that happens, it changes the dynamic of the relationship. And so the relationship requires a renegotiation. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now that I'm this way, how are you here? And I'll give an example of this. Like this happened in a friendship of mine last year, a couple of years ago, where I got, I, at the end of one of my romantic relationships, my friend was also getting out of one of her romantic relationships. And so we really deeply bonded yeah. over this experience. We both just ended these traumatic relationships and we're like, oh my gosh, we have each other. And it was amazing, but we came, we became very codependent. We were with each other all the time, hanging out every day, just constantly with each other, supporting each other for all of a summer. We were in this groove. And then we both got boyfriends almost at the same time. And it changed the nature of our relationship. And I, both of us, there was a lot of tension that was introduced as a result of that. I felt like, oh my gosh, you're spending so much time with your boyfriend. You don't care about me anymore. Like all of that wounding came up and she was like, you're being too needy. Why do you always want to hang out with me still? Blah, blah, blah. And all of that happened because we had this, unspoken agreement that we were going to be best friends that hung out every day forever. And then when that changed, it was hurtful for both of us in a different way. And mm -hmm. so that is, it's hard on a relationship to navigate that challenge, but I don't trust any relationship that hasn't been to the brink of annihilation. And mm -hmm. if it survives that shift and that change and both parties can adapt and become who they are and then meet each other in a new place, that is real intimacy in my mm -hmm. opinion. Totally. And I feel like it also keeps the relationship like really alive in like different mm -hmm. ways. It sparks up newness and especially for like, you know, people in relationship will start with a new partnership and like, oh, this is so exciting. And like, mm -hmm. I'm so in love. And it's like, oh my gosh, every firm out, everything is just like going off the walls. And you're like, I so want to be around this person. But I really think like encouraging the change, encouraging us to evolve and adapt actually can also keep us very much alive in the relationship. It's like, you know, really leaning into those harder conversations about like, hey, this is how I showed up, but I really want to show up like this now, or like, this is really inviting to me. I want to lean into this space more, or I want to, I want to do this more. Like I'm encouraging that. And, you know, I think, yes, like you said, some relationships at the end of the day really thrive in a more, what's the right word? I don't want to say stagnant, but like, you know, very much consistent. more consistent relationship. And, and that's, that's there for them too. And I'm never going to say that that's wrong, but I'm also saying like the, the encouragement of your own evolution also allows the relationship to evolve in its own mm -hmm. evolution. 
and can take us to deeper parts of us, can take us into further parts of ourselves and to feel more expressed because of that encouragement. But it's it's almost like you need an awareness of like that's happening because that mm-hmm. also to what you were talking about was very much of like, we were in this and there was this, un- like this, this contract that we never spoke about, which is the way that we were being. And then all these things were like getting tied together. And it was like so much harder to break that versus walking into relationship of like, no, like this is, we're going to evolve. We're going to change. And I'm here for that. Yeah, for sure. There's a, when you were speaking, there's this image that came to mind, a model that a couple of my teachers, Andy and Libby share, mm-hmm. which is this infinity loop in relationship that goes from you start at stability and then the stability turns eventually into stagnation and then for the relationship to continue on the spectrum it needs expansion but then eventually that expansion devolves into chaos and so then you need stability and then eventually the stability turns into stagnation and then it requires some expansion and then that turns into chaos and then you keep looping on this infinity spectrum and the relationship can keep evolving in that way you like you said you have to be aware and you have to be attuned to okay this is getting a little too chaotic like let's rein it in and create some stability or oh we're getting a little stagnant here let's do something that causes expansion for us so good I love that I'm gonna I love that you shared that that makes so much sense as I reflect back on like my own personal relationship and seeing other people go through that like pattern that you shared. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it helps to have that framework in mind because you can pinpoint where you are at any given moment in time. Like you can say, okay, right now we're in a stable phase. Let's ride this out and just be aware of when it turns into stagnation. And when it does, let's look for a way to expand in that. Totally. So like, oh, we're in in an expansive phase right now. We're traveling a lot. We're doing a lot of things. We're trying new things. We're becoming something new. Let's just keep an eye out for if this becomes a little too chaotic so we can create some stability here. Totally. And I can almost say like, too, like you can listen, going back to like your boundaries, your capacity to be in any of those stages, because that's how you'll know when to like, I guess, like switch into the next stage or like bring it up into like, okay, we need to start trans transmuting into the next one. I've little overwhelmed <laughs> or like, yeah, I'm getting too overexpanded or like, this is too chaotic or like, Hey, this, mm-hmm. I want to spark things up. So I love that. That's so good. Yeah. Yeah. The one thing I really want to ask you before we even wrap up here, I can't believe it's already gone so fast. Cause I could, talk, <laughs> yeah, I, could I could talk to you forever, which is amazing. But like after your full journey of like, just like finding your sexuality, really working through like the people pleasing tendencies or the performing tendencies, like what has been your guide or like your invitation to being expressed through your sexuality, through your relationship, through life, through business, like what has been your almost like your anchor to keep Mm -hmm. leaning into that expression of yourself, that evolution of yourself? Um, I think I just love change. Like I have a very curious heart. Mm -hmm. I have like this North star inside of me that just wants to experience everything. And it's so curious and it's so compelled towards change without really a need. It used to be that change needed to accomplish something. Like I needed to set a goal and become something. Yes. Yeah. But the older I get, the more that it's become, it's become more artistic. It's like, well, I would just want to do it to create. I just want to see what I can do. I just want to see what this might feel like or 
what this experience would be like. And what if I, what if I wore this hat for a day? And that, that's my anchor is like, I can't imagine leaving this existence without having tried as much as possible to do Mm. anything that felt interesting to me. Have you always felt that way? Like about like, I mean, I, I get like the, the performer changing, setting goals, growing Mm -hmm. growth, but like, has it always been there from a place of curiosity or did that kind of start to create differently later? Like what, how would you describe it before to like now, or has it always been consistent? I think what really instilled it in me was both my parents were teachers my mom was a first grade teacher and a third grade teacher. My dad taught special ed. And so they really instilled this value of education and growth from a really early age. And so I think even looking at like how I felt in high school in this, I grew up in a very, very small town and, and how I felt different from everyone and, and wanted to leave and wanted to go explore like I think it is a direct result of my parents mm. always being in favor of me trying new things. And, you know, there have been points where they've really questioned my judgment about things, which I think is healthy and natural, but um, they've always encouraged me to, to do whatever I want. Yeah. That's so great. And the last thing I'm going to pull one last thread is like, how has change or like leaning into this change, leaning into evolution, allowing yourself to change benefited you or like, what has it gifted you? What have you received from that desire? I have received deep trust in myself. Mm. Definitely. Like that's a huge benefit that I've received is like knowing that no matter what I do or who I change into, like I'm still here with me. Like we can't fail. Like there's no failure here. We can do anything. Like there's such an unshakable belief that like, no matter what happens, like it'll turn out fine because I'm going to have my, and the other thing that I've received from that is the ability to really hold people through whatever phase they're in. Mm. Like I, I love watching people grow and encouraging them to change and holding that naturally comes up in that process. Right. And the uncertainty that they're feeling when they're like, is this the right move? Should I divorce my partner? Like, what's going to happen to me? Should I take this job? Like, should I quit my job? Like, should I try this thing that I've never done before? And from having gone through so many changes and every single time it's always fine, I can be there with them through that and say, I totally get it. I get what you're feeling. And I promise you with full confidence, you're going to be totally okay. I love how you just like shared that your anchor has been such a gift for you, but it's also been the gift that you get to share with others too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So beautiful. Yeah. Well, thank you so, so much for coming onto the fully expressed podcast with Corinna. It's <laughs> with me. It was such a pleasure to have you and such a gift. And honestly, I feel so connected to you on this call like this right now. I'm like, I wish we could stay on forever. I have like the goosebumps. I have the emotions in my eyes. I'm just like, this is so good and so yummy. And so thank you so much for taking the time to, to be here with us today. Thank you for asking really good questions and yeah, being so attuned to me and giving me this space to share and Mm -hmm. sharing with me. Yeah. Thanks.